Welcome back to Your Story, 12 Questions, 30 Minutes, the only podcast where our guests will tell theirs with the help of only the 12 questions and ideally 30 minutes. This week, we are joined by Nashe Clark. She is a collaborative leader who enjoys mentoring and coaching and believes the best way to serve is to treat people as people, not tools in a toolbox. She's now taking an entrepreneurial journey as the owner and founder of New Beginnings Leadership Coaching, where she helps leaders accomplish their business goals without sacrificing time for their family or their or themselves. Shay, great to have you here with us this week. Uh, welcome. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Of course. And I'll start there. Do you find that a lot of uh, business executives or a lot of your clients are sacrificing time with things they probably would rather be doing uh, to get things done in the office or working on initiatives that uh, probably are less important to them. Is that is that a big problem you see a lot these days? That is a big problem uh, that I see. And uh, what what happens is I think we've all noticed there's just been this constant state of change right in our world and even in business and industry and corporate there's this constant state of change and each year it just seems to be getting faster and faster. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Mike, you've even had conversations with people and, you know, you kind of get from December to January and people are just constantly saying, man, it feels like time is going by faster. It's going by faster. And I think it's, it's obviously time is going by, you know, at its normal pace. It always is. But we just have so much going on. And those of, I, I say us because I do have an extensive corporate background. So I'm very familiar with this in corporate. Speed of business is constantly changing to try to keep up with the changes that are happening in the world and industries and with customers and whatnot. And so a lot of times, you know, what I find is leaders have, you know, they have kind of their objectives for their team or their organization. There are things that, you know, the leadership they report to, you know, have objectives for. And then, you know, something changes and, you know, you got that top leadership level, the C-suite, who will swoop in and kind of say, oh, hey, this is going on. We need to do this now. Or, you know, there may be a leader who suffers from what I call, um, you know, um, squirrel syndrome, right? So they're home one weekend, they're reading a great book or they see this article and then they come into work Monday all excited, you know, and talking about, um, oh, you know, I saw this great new trend around employee engagement. So we need to get on this now. We need to do this now. And so what happens is a lot of leaders, more so those who are in the earlier part of their, uh, say, you know, leadership journey or their, you know, management career versus those um, who are, you know, have been in leadership for an extensively long time and have become quite savvy. Um, But a lot of times leaders struggle with okay, well, what is my actual priority, right? All these things are coming at me. There are all these changes coming down, you know, from above. Now my boss is saying they want to do, you know, focus on doing X, Y, Z. I have other people from other teams, other leaders coming to me asking for things. And because everything's moving so fast and we have this tendency of just wanting to respond immediately, we just feel like we have to do it all. And then what happens is when they do have that moment to stop and look at, well, you know, what are the things that I was supposed to do? They realize that day after day after day, they're not spending time on those things. They're spending time on 
every little emergency that comes up, every little, you know, oh, I got to have this, I got to have that. Again, you know, the boss just changed. Now we got to do this new initiative. And so then they end up going home and doing their own work in the evenings when they should be spending time recharging themselves or spending time with their family or they're spending their weekends, you know, um, trying to get caught up on email, right? I mean, email is a nightmare as well. I've had someone tell me recently that they had over 1200 emails in their inbox that they were, you know, still trying, trying to get through. And so, um, yeah, it's a challenge to really be clear on what are the things that I, as a leader of this team or this organization and responsible for what are the top say three to five things that I need to be putting my time and energy in in order to move the needle forward for my team for my business you know to meet our financial goals and everything else that's coming in and telling me that it's urgent is it really urgent you know or is it urgent for that person or is it important, but maybe it's not as important as what I am supposed to be focusing on. And so that is one of the things that I work with leaders on is how to get that clarity and then take control of their their time so that they are focusing the majority of their time on those things that are most important and you know how to get the other things off their plate, either through delegation or by, you know, postponing it, deferring it for later, realizing, you know, or doing enough of an assessment to determine it's not really the best use of my time. I need to go have a conversation to help this other leader or individual, you know, understand that this really isn't something we need to invest in doing, you know, right now. Um, And also just being comfortable with maybe having those hard conversations with, their boss, you know, leadership above, hey, we've agreed to do these three things. And now you're saying you want to add the fourth, you know, so either we need to take one of the first three off the plate and add the fourth, or if we add the fourth, we can get them all done, but maybe not the same level of quality, right, that we were going to do three that we were, we were focusing on. So just kind of trying to help them work, work through that. That's a that's an excellent answer. There's a lot of follow-ups that I that I have. Yeah. I do want I do want to start in the middle there uh, because while uh, I'm very familiar with priorities changing and this is our new initiative now, I've never heard of squirrel syndrome before. So first, <laughs> my my follow-up first is is that your own term or have you heard it elsewhere? And more seriously, when you do see that, do you find that you because leadership means different things in different organizations? Are you working usually with the leader who is <laughs> Is, is the squirrel? Are you working with their with their manager, their boss? How do, how does it look in practice when you've got somebody who is kind of jumping from initiative to initiative and having um, str- struggling to prioritize or stay focused? Sure, sure. So uh, first question, squirrel syndrome. I wish I could take credit for that, but but I can't. Um, that is just a term that's kind of out there. I, I'm not even sure if there's someone who, you know, I need to give credit to uh, for that. But it's a term. Um, that's out there that just really refers to someone who, you know, just easily gets distracted by something new. Um, You may have also heard the phrase, you know, something like, you know, the the shiny new toy, right? You know, something like that. So that's what I'm talking about there. I think I actually um, 
took that phrase from uh, an animated movie, one of my favorites called Over the Hedge, where there's this squirrel who constantly, you know, there's a new this, uh, you know, gathering nuts, whether, you know, different things. He's just constantly running from thing to thing to thing. And, and that's what we find with some leaders is that, you know, they, they go online and take a training, you know, or go to a webinar. They're, they're reading an article in, you know, a leadership magazine and uh, get this great new idea. And, and to answer your second question, well, what does it look like? A lot of times what it looks like is them coming to the weekly or maybe monthly, like their team staff meeting and hey, I've got this great new idea. I just read this book. I just read this article. And, you know, they talk about doing X, Y, Z to improve employee engagement or to generate more leads. And I think we need to do this. So, you know, who on the team can jump in right now and, and take it on? Or, you know, I, let's go build a project plan. Let's have the next meeting, right? And everyone else in the meeting is kind of sitting there, not exactly sure, what to say because they're all thinking about all the things that have you know that they have all already individually right and as a collective committed to doing within a certain time frame and while this idea does sound great they feel like there's probably a lot more to actually planning and implementing it than what the leader you know, kind of has in their head right now, right now, the leader just kind of has the vision, right? You know, oh, we're going to do this thing and this, you know, great results are going to follow. They haven't taken the time to think about what does it take to actually implement that idea. And so, you know, you, there might be some crickets in the room. Crickets just means everybody's, you know, no one's talking because no one's sure how to respond. Um, and, and then a lot of times, you know, there's maybe that one person who tries to, oh, yes, you know, that sounds like a great idea. I can see the results of that. Maybe we can, you know, take some time to look into it a little more deeply, um, you know, and, and that's what I work with leaders on is how do you try to kind of steer it right without coming across as though you're a naysayer or, or that you're, you're negative, but to answer your question, like, how does that look? It's, it's that leader who just seems to on a regular basis, right? You know, they're just showing up with, well, now let's do this. Well, now let's do that. And they're not talking in terms of what it will take to do it. They're not really asking for a lot of feedback around what it will take to do it. And they, they don't talk in terms of how that potentially impacts the other things that the team has already committed to doing. Hopefully I answered your question. You did, and you bring up an excellent point that there's that dynamic between the leader, that leader's vision, that leader's kind of charge forward, and then how the team receives it, how the team decides to act upon it and kind of fulfill what they're looking to accomplish. Will you work with the leader exclusively? Will you bring the team in? How has that looked and how can it be beneficial one way or the other? Sure. So as far as my practice, I work with leaders one-on-one. So in my business, I primarily provide one-on-one coaching to leaders to help them with different challenges. Like I said, this is a big one that um, that I'm working on is kind of getting that clarity and, and, and focus versus all the noise coming in. Um, but also like how to connect with their teams, you know, um, how to communicate better 
how to get um, how to get unstuck. So to answer your question, right now I primarily work one on one, and so I am more often right now. It seems like I'm working with the leaders who are, um, for lack of a better word, the victims of <laughs> of squirrel syndrome versus the ones being the instigators of it. And so it's just helping them under you know find the right words, find the courage because a lot of times right? It takes courage to push back on your own boss or to challenge your own boss. And that really depends also on the type of relationship you have with your boss, the type of culture that exists within that company, within, you know, that, that team and the leadership style of the boss, you know? Um, And, and so it's just, you know, helping them navigate, navigate that and, how do you always bring the conversation to a fact-based kind of results impact related conversation? If you could find a way to kind of keep the conversation tailored around those three things, the facts, impact, um, and, and value, then you, um, you reduce the likelihood. You know, some people are just have certain types of personalities, you know, but you reduce the likelihood of it becoming, say, like an emotional, right, or a uh, a conversation, an emotional conversation or a conversation that comes across as being, as you being confrontational or you being negative. That's the biggest thing, right? Leaders are afraid of coming across as negative or coming across as not as team players. And so how do you have those hard conversations about what we should be focused on and what we shouldn't? Um, what we do have the capacity to do and what needs to wait without appearing negative or, um, you know, like, I just don't want, you know, I'm not part of the team. I don't want to, you know, help the team move forward. Yeah, I like what you said there about kind of the way the dynamics will work, uh, especially with uh, culture, uh, a team in a fact-based environment. With, as we mentioned up top, the speed of change, the way that business is forever evolving and uh, looks like it's not going to stop anytime soon, what leadership styles do you see uh, working currently uh, with teams specifically and to kind of set or to help foster the right culture where there are uh, teams that want to collaborate, want to work together, want to to move forward as opposed to uh, competing forces? Yeah, so a few things there. So I think it's really important, number one, that a leader be willing to be open and honest um, and be able to take feedback, which requires some level of vulnerability. Um, And I, I mentioned that as kind of first and foremost, because if you want people to be able to, you know, to speak up and and have conversations, they have to feel like it's okay, right? And you just saying, oh yeah, I'm good on feedback. Oh yeah, you know, if you don't agree, just speak up. Who knows if you're just giving me lip service or not, right? So there has to be genuinely as part of your leadership style that you have to show that you, you value and warrant openness, you know, honesty, transparency, and, and feedback, and that's you giving feedback to others so they can become better, but you also being willing to accept that feedback. If you do that, then that is foundational to establishing trust. I mean, that's fundamental to establishing trust, which 
is a fundamental element every leader has to have if they expect to have a great relationship with their team, a high-performing team, you know, a team that's going to have have results. The other um, characteristic I would say that needs to be part of their leadership style is, um, you know, being able to collaborate and being open to other ideas and perspectives. I think one of the things that um, kind of woke up, I'll say the country, right, over the the last couple of years, via, you know, via the pandemic and the other, you know, other things that have gone on, um, you know, like social unrest, um, is that, you know, the the lack of diversity inclusion, right? We have a lot of companies who talk about it, right? But then when you look at their company and you look at their their organization, uh, specifically those at the higher levels of leadership, you don't see, right, a a lot of diversity um, and, and inclusion there. And so there's definitely been, um, and there still is, I still see it out there, you know, when I'm out on LinkedIn and you just are kind of looking at jobs, there's a lot out there now with focus on diversity, you know, honoring diversity and including um, people from diverse backgrounds, diverse opinions, diverse, um, you know, experiences. And so I think as a, I believe as a leader, it's important that you be able to be collaborative and be open to that as well. Um, the moment you make the mistake of thinking that you've got all the best ideas and you've got the answers to all the problems and people just need to do what you tell them to do, um, you have set yourself up for failure and you're going to end up with a very low performing team because high performers are not going to tolerate that type of attitude, right? And we're already seeing that, some of that just based on the great resignation, right? People are saying, I refuse to work under this type of leadership. I refuse to work, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. And they're going off and finding other jobs or, you know, doing their own thing, becoming becoming entrepreneurs. So I would say um, those two things, uh, Mike, I think are, are really fundamental. Um, to the foundation. A leader also has to be able to be flexible. I'll, I'll throw that third one in as well. And what I mean is um, you have to meet your people where they are, right? Not everyone is the same. Not everyone has the same needs. For example, you can have one person on your team who all they need is just to be recognized. If you just come along, you know, every so often pat them on the back Um, or in a team meeting, acknowledge, you know, something that they contributed, something they did, they are happy, right? And then you're going to have those on the team who are always looking for, well, what's my next promotion? What's my next raise, right? And so a leader needs to understand, um, you know, the the people on their team and what motivates them in that way. And also from a, a learning and communication perspective, there are some people who are, you know, can take directness, right? So just, you know, tell me what you thought, tell me what I need to do differently, no emotion, okay, I know what I need to change, move on. And then there are other people who are of styles that, um, you know, maybe they need to be treated a little more gently, right? (laughs) You know, they need you to come across a little bit more warm, a little more caring, Um, you know, help them understand that if there is something they need to improve upon, you're just there to help them become better, right? It's not the end of the world. It's not that, you know, they're suddenly a terrible employee. It's just, hey, here's something that you may have a blind spot on or that I think you could do do better on. And so that's what I mean when I talk about um, leaders need to be flexible. You need to understand the communication types, the personality types of the people 
on your team and be able to communicate with them in a way that is going to help you easily, more easily connect with them, right? So that they can hear you um, and then either continue performing as they are or make whatever changes, you know, that, that they meet that they may need to make. But Nishé, if my team just performed better, I wouldn't have any of these headaches that I have. <laughs> what what do you hear that? And what happened? What do what do you what's the proper response when when it's just I wish my team worked harder? Because that seems like it's it's not addressing a lot of the uh, the, the key components that you referenced before, when yeah. talking about a successful culture and a uh, productive environment. So I can say that I have not worked with someone who has come to me with that, you know, if my team just worked harder and, you, you know, just got in there and did what they needed to do, then everything would be great. So I, fortunately, unfortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, I have not had that experience, but I have um, heard of people saying that, you know, seeing things online related to, you know, leaders making comments like that. And so what I would say is, if you feel like, oh, they, they just need to work harder. Number one, the first question I would ask you is how do you know they're not? So what I have observed of leaders who kind of think that way is that a lot of times they don't really have good visibility into what is actually going on with their team, um, what their teams are having to deal with, obstacles or challenges that they are um, having to work through. That's one scenario. The other scenario is the leader um, has a view that everyone should be behaving like them, right? And so if this is a type of leader who works 70, 80 hours a week, is just a workaholic, um, then they have that expectation that the people on their team should be working that way as well. And so if they're not seeing that, they're actually seeing that their team members are taking time off <laughs> or, you know, they're ending their workday and spending time with their families, you know, then, then to them in their heads, oh, my team's not working hard enough. And so in those cases, it's, um, you know, either trying to convince the leader that, no, everyone shouldn't be working the way you're working. There have to be boundaries there has to be balance. And when I say balance, I don't mean 50-50. That looks different for every person, depending on what their circumstances are. But people have to be able to take care of themselves and have time for themselves. And if they have families, they have to have time for their you know, families. And are there times where you have to put in late nights or weekends? Absolutely, right? But that should be more of an exception versus the norm day to day. In the other scenario, where it's maybe they don't really have a good vision into what's going on, um, you know, then they need to take the time to get that. And that could be having conversations, right, you know, with people on the team to get them to just talk and give more detail around what is going on, what are their obstacles, if there are certain things that are taking them longer to do than what the leader thinks it should take, find out why is it taking longer. And, and what you'll find is, I think, depending on the the talent you've hired, I you know, I have to give that caveat, depending on the talent you've hired, um, you've either got people who probably are working really hard and are trying to do a great job, but there are some things in the way. It could be 
a process is broken, you know, it could be a process is too complex, right? They may just, you know, they may not have the resources they need. They may be trying to do way more than what they have time capacity to do. Or you could have some poor performers on the team that really aren't lifting their, you know, uh, lifting their weight. And that is impacting the others on the team who are. And so I would just say if, if a leader thinks that, and it's not the scenario, you know, it's not the scenario where the leader's like, I'm a workaholic and everybody else should be a workaholic. Um, I think first they just need to take time and kind of start digging in and start asking some questions and looking at data, looking at, you know, reports, KPIs, go get feedback outside the team, right? Look at other teams that your team interacts with and ask them for their perspectives on what's going on. What's it like to work with your team? What challenges are they they having? What ideas do they have of things that should, uh, that could be better, should be better, things they feel are hard that shouldn't be hard. And then that's when you start figuring out what's really going on. And then you have the opportunity to make whatever tweaks, adjustments, improvements that you need to make. Did I answer your question? Yes, you did. And, okay. uh, as we are, believe it or not, coming up on time, I do want to highlight a couple oh, things wow. you've mentioned. Uh, <laughs> I want to follow up and have a couple quick hit questions, especially hit on some of the things in your bio. First off, I love the use of balance as opposed to uh, kind of having an equal or a fair, uh, similar um, kind of standard for everybody, that having it balanced with, with who the folks on your team are and what's important to them and what makes sense for, for that person individually. Uh, the, the key components of flexibility, openness, the willingness for feedback, trust, and collaboration. I think that's all really uh, excellent advice for what leaders can do today, tomorrow to turn their teams around or to improve culture. Any other, any, anything else that a leader can do if they're listening to this and say tomorrow that they can, anything they can implement immediately without, um, with any advice that you'd give them that they can start doing without too much, uh, too much of a change or, or scaring off their team? Sure. Um, I, I would say, and I say it's all ears, number one is listening. You've got to be listening, uh, doing way more listening than you are talking, directing, etc. And so it, I would say if there's any leader who's listening to this and feels like, you know, that there's a, a struggle with their team or, you know, a challenge going on, um, stop and ask, like start, if you're not already having one-on-ones, I, you know, I am a huge proponent. Like to me, that's management one on one oh one. If you have a team, then you should definitely have be having regular one on ones with each individual. And that and the purpose of those one on ones is not for them to update you on all their projects, but it's their time with you to talk about their career goals, their needs, if there are challenges, you know, and, and getting the job done things that they think could be improved. So having having that dialogue, and just one other thing I would say as part of listening and talking with the folks on your team, ask for feedback. I find a lot of leaders don't, they're not, you know, they don't think to ask for feedback. And so I would say that's really important. Just start having some, some conversations and say, hey, as a leader, how am I doing? Are there things that you feel I should be doing differently or could be doing better that would help you um, in getting your work done or that would help you feel more comfortable in this work environment or feel like this is you know a work environment that you enjoy being in. I love it. I think that being a better listener, asking 
good, straightforward questions and then uh, acting appropriately with the responses is wonderful advice. Uh, with that said, I want to jump back to the bio, soon to be empty nester. What what does that mean specifically and what things are you looking to do once you become uh, said empty nester? I know I'm still trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, what what am I going to do? So I have two uh, two children. Um, one has is pretty much moved out already. She is in graduate school uh, right now. And so I have no expectation really, you know, of her coming back. Actually, our conversations are more like, okay, when do we box your stuff and send it somewhere, right? Because I'm not a storage facility. Um, And then my youngest, uh, my son, he is finishing up his senior year in high school. And so we're looking at schools. And so he's getting ready to, you know, go off and start the next chapter in, in his life. And so um, my daughter, what, 23. So you could say, you know, it's been 23, 24 years of, you know, kids in the house. And now pretty soon it's going to be primarily just my husband and I. And so uh, your question of well, what are you going to do? I, I think we're still trying to, to figure that out. We have started um, coming up with some ideas around the house. There's some home remodeling and improvements that we've been wanting to do for way too long. And so now we're, we're starting to put plans together <laughs> to get some of that sort of stuff done. Uh, and hopefully maybe a few more one on, you know, couple vacations versus big family vacations. <laughs> Very nice. And well done, mom. We got both kids, uh, uh, in good directions there with school. So that's, uh, that's a testament to you. Um, I'll let you choose between sci-fi slash fantasy and, quote, old school video games. Which <laughs> do you prefer more and which one better uh, suits your personality? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if I can say which I prefer more. They're kind of even. I, I find myself probably doing more of the the sci-fi fantasy kind of TV shows, movies versus video games, just because that's, a, you know, kind of an easy, fun way to decompress at the end of the day. Um, but of the video games, you know, I, I know I mentioned like Pac-Man, Galaga, and was it Bejeweled? I, I honestly, if I'm honest, I spend way more time playing Bejeweled than the other two because I have it on my phone. And so really the days where I want to decompress and, you know, it's been kind of stressful, you know, whip out the phone, you know, and just uh, start playing Bejeweled. And before I know it, like an hour, an hour and a half go, has gone by. And I'm like, really, you wow. sat here and did this uh, <laughs> for that long? Uh, I would say the ultimate, though, Mike, is when I've got um, Avengers, either Infinity War or Endgame, up, uh, you know, playing on the TV. And I've got Bejeweled going on my phone. So, you know, I kind of got them both going at the same time. <laughs> there, there you go. That's a, that's a nice visual. So wrapping up here, anything that I didn't ask you that I probably should have? Um, you know, I think we really kind of covered it all. You know, we, we talked about um, you know, kind of what I do with the business, who I work with. I think the only thing maybe I would add is, Maybe just kind of thinking about, you know, someone's wondering, well, you know, who's her best client? Who does she like, you know, like to work with? Because leadership is a very broad umbrella. You know, honestly, I I will work with anyone because I'm just very passionate about leadership in general. Um, But I find that the people I work, you know, best with or seem to, um, you know, kind of are attracted to me the most are those who are 
uh, trying to get unstuck and unstuck in two different ways. Um, we talked a great deal earlier in the show about managing time, getting clarity of focus, right? So there are people who feel kind of stuck in this hamster wheel at work where, you know, I'm just going, going, going at work. And then I'm having to go home and do more work because I can't figure out what I should be doing, shouldn't be doing, or I don't know how to push back on the things that I know uh, I shouldn't be doing. So there's that way of getting unstuck. And then the other unstuck is people who are looking to make kind of shifts or transitions um, in their, their journey. It could be their their leadership career. And, you know, they feel like they're at a, at a crossroads, a bit frustrated, not sure whether to go left or right, not sure how to figure out which way. And so I find that I've had some clients with that, that I'm able to just work with I'm just helping them think through all the options, you know, and from there, help them get unstuck and taking a direction um, and and being successful, you know, with the direction that they've taken. So hopefully I know those kind of sound like two two different people, but I feel like they're both a, a type of stuckness, right? You know, either I'm stuck with what to do next or I'm stuck with how to get out of, <laughs> you know, kind of this hamster wheel, you know, journey I'm on right now. No, you, you paint a good picture of being stuck somewhere and then having the vision or the want to be unstuck or to move forward. So I, th- I think that's kind of the, the central theme, and you do a good job of explaining that. Thank uh, you. I, I could talk about this all day, so I, I will not take any more of your time. But Nishay, <laughs> where can our listeners find you if they want to uh, learn more about you or your business? Sure. So I would say right now my uh, biggest presence is on LinkedIn. So I would definitely uh, advise listeners to go find me on on LinkedIn. So, you know, it's going to be you know, LinkedIn.com slash Clark, K-N-I-C-H-E-C-L-A-R-K. Um, and then uh, kind of from there, links to other places. I'm also a John Maxwell team member. I didn't mention that earlier. So I, I do have a John Maxwell team website that is on my LinkedIn, uh, my LinkedIn page. Um and then I, actually, I have a LinkedIn page for my business. I guess I should have thought to, to mention that as well. So they can either look me up personally and reach out to me that way on LinkedIn, or they can also search for my business page on LinkedIn, which is New Beginnings Leadership Coaching uh, on LinkedIn. So, Excellent. So we'll post all those. And since you men- mentioned John Maxwell, any book you'd recommend, which one should our listeners start with of his? Well, You've heard me keep talking about, you know, team and connecting with team and all of that. So my favorite is Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. That book is really good about talking about not just communicating, you know, saying what you want to say, but understanding how people are different and being able to communicate in a way with them to where you actually connect with them and then are able to have some some influence in your leadership. Um positive influence, not negative influence, of course. Nice. (laughs) Excellent choice. And this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us. And I look forward to next time. Thanks so much, Mike. I uh, greatly have enjoyed this. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You got it.